0: Hello, welcome to the Exchange. This is Adam, and today I am joined by my co-host.
1: It is me, Chris.
2: Hello, it is I,
0: Vince. Uh, I appreciate you all joining me today. Uh, so it's been a while, actually a little while, it seems like, since we sat down and did a uh, talky episode for the regular RPX feed. And um, I noticed a few weeks ago, popping across Twitter, and on the little channels that I'm a part of, that what the hell is the company, Chris? That would be
1: Monty Cook Games. Okay. So I think it's associated with the Cipher System, but it's more of a generalized thing.
2: This is a systemless thing released under Monty Cook's game. Monty Cook Games is uh, imprint Monte Cook Games LLC, and it includes all the standard like copyright stuff for Monty Cook and the Cipher System, but it's clearly not specific to it.
0: Yeah, and we are talking about the book consent in gaming which book is kind of a strong word since it's really 12 pages of text it's a pamphlet yeah it's yeah definitely a pamphlet 12 pages of text and one page of a check sheet but this book was uh looks like it's by sean k reynolds and shanna germain i believe yeah so it's uh about consent in gaming and I did kind of go through, I only highlighted one section of this as I was prepping here, but I kind of got the thesis of it here, is that um, to directly, I'm putting quotation marks around this here, uh, playing role-playing games is a shared experience that is supposed to be fun for everyone involved. And part of that is making sure that everyone in the game has consented to the premise and expectations of the campaign and uh, game genre. So, yeah, it's for... You know consent and expectations in games and uh campaigns and so forth and uh yeah we just kind of want to take an opportunity to get this portion of the episode to weigh on, weigh in on a few of the things
2: wait i was
1: supposed to read
2: yes yes Chris. unlike grad school you can't pretend
0: that you didn't do the read you can't pretend that you did the reading because <laughs> we have a quiz oh shit so when I saw the word consent, I was kind of. I always think of that word in the more sexual context in which it was used. As It's used, I think, you know, just because, you know, you're talking about consensual stuff, so forth and so on. So the title, I didn't know. I didn't think it was a, hey, don't be creepy in video, in role playing games, stuff like that. But it's just really about getting everybody on board. And uh, I think as you mentioned before we started recording, Vince, getting more of a a good read of your table and your player expectations?
2: Yeah, this is a good... I will say that I really appreciate this document as, like, good session, like, zero or, like, one material for, like, establishing um, player expectations and boundaries. Um, Sort of, like, opening up with a good... Uh, trusting environment for you to explore whatever themes your game is going to explore uh, without like you know uh, <laughs> without worrying people overly much about whether or not you're going to traumatize them because you've given yeah. them a good safe way to express you know what's off limits uh, honestly, this is something that uh, feels like it it should be um you know, used but also sort of actively used. You know, like it—it's a thing that it's a document that presents basically like a way to negotiate difficult topics for you and your players.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and I, I think a, a pretty useful thing for the document itself is that it's it allows for nuance in a, in the concept of like I do not consent to this, or I partially consent to this, and I I have, we have to have a conversation about what is important, what should be avoided, and like maybe there's more to it than just like, I don't like spiders, no spiders forever or like, I don't like the image I I don't like the description of spiders or spiders can happen off stage like these are are all kind of important little conversations to have
0: Yeah, and it's it's framing all this stuff as, you know, typically in conversations we are getting people, talking people into things where people, our players are opting into doing certain things and this is you know, establishing the idea that it's okay for people to opt out of certain things. And I think, and this is, you know, within the first three pages of the book, what really like struck me with this is, you know, it addresses the fact that consent is not something that uh, it doesn't matter why consent w- was not given. It's just you accept that this is like a no for someone and um, that. There may actually not be a reason for this uh, non consension or better yet, this is not something that may be as a talking point for you and your table, and so forth and so on. Just because somebody says, like, you know, say for example, you know, Chris says it's not okay for us to do, you know, X and stuff like that, that doesn't really open up a conversation for everyone to sit there and talk with Chris about why he feels a certain way about this particular subject matter. I mean, this, it it protects the uh, person that uh, is uh, opting out, so to speak. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, that's a really important aspect of pretty much all of these consent things. It's not usually the default is yes. Like this is okay. And you have to opt out Uh, with most consent. It should always be the, the default is no. And people can opt in, which is important
2: yeah it's uh it's basically the principle behind like uh, like active it, it's the active consent principle right the one that you should be applying in like uh sexual or kink scenarios right like the default answer is is no you, you the the act of performing these things is is an act of uh, buying in right enthusiastic so, consent yes um yeah I mean, I really also appreciate that the, the the spectrum thing is brought up, that it's not just like a binary. Um. Yeah. Because, you know, like I, I'm so uh oof, my brain is fried. I've had a really bad week this but uh so I I'm actually I've been roped into um running an eclipse phase game for some local friends. Yeah. Uh because there were a lot of enthusiastic people in my circle who so were just sort of sniffing around looking for someone who was vulnerable enough to GM. So I guess that was me. Um, we've had our session zero and we actually discussed a little bit of this, not using this document, but using like, you know, just sort of what would you be comfortable seeing in the setting? And we've like excluded some things or decided to minimize some things about the eclipse phase setting, like ego trafficking. Um, For the sake of just player comfort. Yeah. Um, It's also useful as a GM to have this understanding. uh, So that, like, in the event that your story, like, runs in a certain direction, that you know what things are, like, not just what's okay to use in a scenario, but, like, where on the spectrum your players are in terms of their consent. So you can sort of um, gauge... Like at what level, like the players take a certain issue, like how seriously they take something. Yeah, you know it. It's it's not just useful in terms of like, uh, like player comfort at the table, although that's like the primary purpose here. But like, if your players are like very very morally opposed to something and they don't want to see it used like salaciously or gratuitously, lightly mentioning something is enough to. Like imply the seriousness of like a, of a beat or a person or a thing at the table, which I think is kind of a, a thing that's like not said in this document, but is like, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that like because the spectrum is left open, that uh, you can use people's consent levels as like a gauge as to like how dramatically serious a certain thing is for them. Which yeah. lets you tailor the game experience to your players' like sensibilities. Which is
0: yeah, really cool. I was actually planning on discussing this like toward the end here, but we kind of mentioned this book was like right, probably really beneficial for if, if you were starting up a, a gaming group or you know a particular campaign perhaps that uh, you have in mind that you know may kind of push Shambu up a little bit. And uh, for you know, I've been in a gaming group for what? How long we've we been playing, Chris? Like five years. Yeah, it's just about five years now. About five years. And, um, you know, we, <laughs> and it's all documented, but uh, we have uh, pretty much, <clears throat> you know, ran into these kind of issues ourselves before in gaming that, um, you know, we're certain things, it, it wasn't like anybody explicitly, well, let me rephrase this. Mm. I, knew, I knew that, uh, like, so I ran a Fear Itself game. Couple years ago, and it's recorded. Go back and listen to it. I'm proud of it. Uh, but I mean, I, I knew Chris had a, a rather um, tender heart toward um, animals, and yeah, um,
1: that's all in the past tense now. I'm I'm a soulless robot now.
0: Yeah, he's a soulless robot. I'm sorry, I didn't mean the the verb tension, <laughs> But I mean, I knew it was something that you know, you're you're you know a loving person and you love animals and stuff like that. And like when I was looking at that particular scenario, that I just didn't really see one particular part of it as a huge, huge deal. I was like, "Well, I mean, obviously, you'll think this is creepy and stuff like that." So, you know, I went ahead and ran, ran the scene, and thus began began the uh, the story of Adam Thornsburg, dog murderer. <laughs> hmm. I think it was the first instance of that, wasn't it? It uh, was. And it was all that was a Ken height. No. Yeah, that was Ken Hyde that wrote that, I think. No, Robin uh, D. Laws. Robin Laws. Yeah, it's Robin Laws. But, uh, yeah, so I introduced a scene that, like, you know, there was no depictions of actual, like, violence to animals and stuff like that. But I learned immediately, and definitely after the, uh, we closed off the session, that, you know, hey, this was uh, perhaps a bridge too far.
1: I mean, even then, I would not consider it, like, One of the things that I I don't consent to, it's just I know
0: exactly what I'm going to do when animal abuse comes into a game. Yeah. And, you know, me being able to like perhaps telegraph like that there are certain aspects that may come into a, you know, into the game would give you the opportunity to say I'm not down and or give me the opportunity to kind of curb certain things. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and like I, I'm not innocent of it. Like, I I'm, i can't cast blame either. Like, I've my uh, the game I ran for Ian's uh, Joel's and the 10K, I really should have thought about it, but it would have been really triggering for people who, with children who think about that, that sort
0: of thing. And that, that's on me. This, did we ever tell you that that was we got actually feedback on that? That's I think it was called Boat Party, wasn't it, Chris?
1: Yeah, it was called Boat Party. Boat Party.
0: The only comment we ever got on any of the feedback of that was like, "What the actual fuck was one of the posts on the page?" It was, <laughs> it was unique, but you know, I, Chris, I'm glad you you did bring up that as well. And we'll get back on topic of the book here. Just, I guess, I mentioned it kind of show how an established party can make certain judgment calls that are, you know, suspect and not suspect, but you know, maybe not the right one. You know, early on in this book, while I was talking about important things about consent, it does I, the authors do mention that um, uh, that this is something that someone can always change their mind about what they are or are not consenting to. And you know, anyone is allowed to leave if they're uncomfortable at any any particular time. There's no you know no shame in that. And uh, you yeah.
2: know, I will say that like um, like even if you, like, as you were mentioning before, with the with the established group thing, um, laying out in advance, like, what the content of your game might be, and what issues might come up, and, like, gauging people's needs is always important. Yeah. Like, whenever I run a horror one-shot, I always take the temperature of my players before we, like, embark, uh, for obvious reasons. Like, I want this to be like a like a fun thrill ride experience. I don't want this to be traumatic. So like, if I run anything from uh, no security, I guess you know, it's always like so. Just so you know, this takes place in the 1920s, and is generally a terrible kind of America, a more terrible kind of America. Yeah, here's X Y Z. Uh, you know, and like if if people are down and people are braced, usually they're uh, i guess i guess if people are aware they're little they're, it's easier for them to consent and be aware um it it sucks when you uh ambush people with things that they weren't expecting
1: yeah uh, yeah th- I think that's fair but i think another important aspect about the the thing we've the this consent in gaming was that people do screw up and oh yeah like i i've thrown things at folks that i should have realized would have been triggering and my response wasn't like to double down and be like, well, whatever it just happened. Like you apologize, but you don't apologize to that one person. You apologize to the group and be like, uh, we, there, there was a failure to communicate here. I screwed up. I am sorry.
2: Yeah. 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 I don't disagree. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm mean, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the book is when it talks about recovering from consent mistakes here. You know, someone recognizes the conversations moved to a non consent topic uh you know you call out what happened and um old man thornsburg just couldn't contain all his dog murder well i mean it's now the running joke and stuff like that but you know whenever whenever something gets that way the ideal situation is kind of to let everybody know or you know and that's why they got things like the x card yeah and so forth that you can play
2: so I'm I've actually I actually really do appreciate that like this resource is available for people who are get, just getting into the scene and as a thing to like point to if your group is sort of going off the rails or um, not being respectful like it's useful to have a resource like this from a publisher that's this prominent within the industry that like encourages more pro social aspects of RPG play and like less of the uh, shall we say. More odious uh, elements of the of the genre.
1: It's okay. You can say grognard.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so so yes, I, I'm yeah I'm I'm happy that this exists to create like yeah less space for grognard nonsense. What?
0: and even like, for established groups, and this is kind of what Chris was saying a mo well, kind of referring to a moment about rec- when we were discussing recovering cons- consent. It like it's a nice thing to see. It labeled out here that if there has been some infraction, the best thing to do is just to immediately address it and not, you know, try to handle these kind of things behind closed doors and stuff like that. It just prolongs the experience and could actually allow allow it to. And I'm gonna make use this word here, but to metastasize of sorts. And then the text, the uh, the cool thing about this, it immediately follows this issue up by saying that the person who has made made the infraction should apologize. And mm-hmm. the book addresses that apologies are not easy, but, you know, it needs to be done and you don't need to explicitly single, you know, the per, a particular individual out about the issue. But, you know, when there's an error, you got to own up to it. And, um, you know, to do a direct quote here, despite it being hard, but here's the thing. You're a role player. If you can pretend to be an elf for a cyborg, if you can insult a king to his face and stand your ground against a horde of charging orcs, if you can accept that you, were ki- you killed an entire party with a fireball or take credit for killing a dragon with a critical hit, then you can apologize to your friends for saying something that made someone uncomfortable.
1: A uh, sidebar, there's one exception to this, is if you're a stand-up comedian... Who has said some super racist shit and has gotten a very <laughs> important job, then you can say, I'm sorry you feel that way.
2: Oh my god, they are such fucking bottled snowflakes. Uh,
1: the most recent one is Shane Gillis, but like <laughs>
2: pretty much every stand-up comedian who's gotten Me Too'd. Like like ah uh, god, like it's it's so frustrating if somebody else who like has to produce work that appears like like appears in the quote unquote public that like people act like this They're like i, I don't know. it's just it's just fucking absurd it's just like, like you're I, not get get the fuck off the cross like jesus fucking christ like no sorry
1: <laughs> I, I, I think my favorite thing though is like the most recent one Shane Gillis it's like he he was announced to be a cast member on SNL and then like in 30 seconds someone's like oh by the way here is some evidence of him being super fucking racist habitually
2: yeah. And
1: his response was, I'm sorry you were offended by that.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, I saw that picture, but I didn't read it. Okay, yeah. I, I'm with you now.
1: Yeah. Um. And, but I am actually trying to get back to, like, an important concept here is yeah. an apology like this. It should not be, I'm sorry you feel that way, because that puts the onus on the person who has been, I don't want to say wronged, but, like, whose consent was not accepted. Yeah. Like the best apology is always I'm sorry. I did that, I screwed up, let's move on.
0: Yeah. And not making excuses or yeah. deflecting and stuff like that. Exactly. And this is the greatest thing about this about stuff like this coming out here is like beginning these types of conversations like this.
2: Well this is this is a hobby. It's like it's a social hobby. It's intended to be done between friends to spend time with people you like enjoy. Yeah. yeah, I I think the thing that like really frustrates me about the sort of attitude that like feelings don't matter in like the RPG spaces like of course they do like you yeah. you can't have a functional RPG group without having a functional friend group that actually like loves and respects each other. It's just something that needs to be taken more for like like that framework of the hobby needs to be taken more for granted, right? It 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 can't survive without, like, an active nurturing environment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've bailed out of gaming groups because I'm like, I, I'm not having fun anymore. I am not enjoying these people. They, they've they come across as assholes who I would not want to hang out with in other situations, so I'm not going to hang out with them now. Yep. Like it, so, like, a big aspect of this is kind of figuring out how to keep a group running and, like, the social aspects of it alive and, like, uh, this, going back to the consent and gaming document, a a big aspect of that is checking in with each other, making sure we're all doing well. Yeah, like I, I, I do make a point, like all of you guys, like I'll reach out to you at least once a month, probably be like, hey,
0: man, how's it going?
1: How's life? Are you okay?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know we're we are very rep- appreciative of this, as well, Chris. I, I mean. A lot of it is also me
1: apologizing for being an utter fucking asshole in game, because <laughs> I admit, like, when I play a character, I'm usually working through a problem. <laughs> There's a reason I play very unpleasant
0: people. Well, apparently I've got my own issues, too. Whenever I start, we start describing character archetypes and, uh, amongst ourselves, I'm like, yeah, that's an Adam character. I'm like, oh.
1: <laughs> very boring, until he decides to murder someone. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ooh, well. this character is like, oh, God, this guy has problems. This guy has control issues.
2: I think my I think my principal character archetype is like sad cinnamon bun. It's like, it's probably like the the closest I get to a thing that keeps happening.
1: Yeah, if anyone hurt Bones, I would kill everyone else and then myself.
0: <laughs> you know, Bones. Like I only played with Bones once, but him riding away or riding on that horse with his hair. Just being tossed about in the wind. I mean, it was this. it was something magical, I'll tell you. I mean, it made getting bit in the face. Spoiler for a game that posted a year ago. Uh, you know, it made it all worthwhile, man. Thank you. <laughs> the Bones
2: also
1: always had the best vignettes.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm sorry that like I dropped out there. I just I just haven't had the uh, time or energy.
0: Uh dude, it's all good. Like, we're happy to have you when we get you, dude. You know, Chris was kinda of talking about this. By checking in with people, but it, like the text also discusses the bleed over and char- like from character to player and player to character and so forth, which you know is pretty much standard in the game. You get pretty excited or psyched up, or but bleed over from events that happen in the game can you know kind of manifest in the meat space, so to speak, stuff like that. So checking in with people, like I, I know that after Chris and I played in. That Joe's game we mentioned beforehand, like you know, Chris checked in on me and made sure, you know, made sure we were cool, which, you know, I never did throw up an X card or backed out of that particular game. I just stopped playing. Yeah. And like, I, I felt bad about it. Like I, I no, should have taken your no, it's fine. thoughts. But I, but I didn't. I mean, at the same time, I could have just walked away. And stuff like that, and and I didn't, and it was it was kind of an eye opening thing for me. And that's <laughs> you know, When we talk about, I keep thinking of the negative word, aspect of whenever I hear the word triggered and stuff like that. And I always see somebody who is maybe somebody I went to school with, or or older person, and stuff like that, just like triggered safe space. You you see someone in their mid thirties who is white and male, yeah. smirking. Dude, I saw, I took my daughter to, like, she went to her first, like, first grade, they had, like, first grade dance at school, and it was, like, immediately after school, started, like, at 3 3 o'clock to 4.30, and, you know, little first graders, and it was kind of a fundraiser and stuff like that, and I go pick up. My kid at this elementary school, and I see some piece of shit standing in there waiting in line for his kid, where like say with a shirt that like has a lot of text. And usually, folks, whenever you see a shirt that has a lot of fucking text or car that's got a lot of bumper stickers on it, you can usually think that you know what? That's an opinion they So I'm looking at right there. But this son of a bitch was wearing a shirt that said, Your feelings are not as important as my safety. And stuff like that. Like and like dude, he was in fucking school where they shoot motherfuckers and he was wearing this shirt about his second amendment. That pissed me off seeing that stuff. And I know as I go about rattling to this and all that, I like the fact that I mean that was an obvious trigger for me, but I like the fact that this book addresses that these things come up. That when people even the person who is affected by it is not Aware that it's going to be an issue until it's an issue, kind of thing like that, and I think that's really cool. And I think it's really, as you have said, and we will say many times over, I love the fact that this conversation is having or that that that's having. Well, I got me a,
2: is having.
0: Boy, mm-hmm. I have my English degree, but um, I'm, you can I make it, I'm,
2: whatever grammar you want now. That's how it works. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'm I'm really happy that this is a conversation is going on. In this field, and hopefully it can be something that we'll go over the other aspects of life if we're not too busy wearing asshole shirts while picking up children at school dances.
1: Well, I don't know about you. I am going to get a shirt that says, yes, I am a a straight white male podcaster. Yes, I am a leftist. Yes, I do hate the president. And yes, I do eat dirt. Are you triggered now?
2: I am a freelance writer. And I have a very old Honda Civic. (laughs) And sometimes Carpal Tunnel makes it hard for me to type. And if you don't like it, you can move to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: They've been in the news recently, but we'll talk a little less about that.
2: uh, Anyway, uh,
1: (laughs) so... Vince, are you you about to tell us about some horrible things you did in grad school? (laughs) Because with Canada... (laughs) (laughs)
2: you've been to some parties bud yeah yeah canadian parties they're they're real wild so i will say again it's like the the last thought i have i guess on this is on the aftercare section right it it's really nice and legitimizing to see that that's in here because it's something that we do as a group here but like off mic we sort of check in with each other and make sure everything's okay but like it also i think like, provides an avenue for people to, like, you know, make sure that, like, how things went in fiction is not really gonna fuck up everything in in life with their friend group. I think that's like, a very, it's, it's a useful tool, right, to codify, like, a check-in bit. I will say that, like, one of the weirdest and best aftercare sessions I ever went to as a our peer was in college when we uh, went to a Denny's at one in the morning uh, after we had an, an incredibly intense session. It wasn't really so much a session in character, but as a session that we were trying to like fix like some persistent problems that were in the group, and it got like really, really emotional and really, really intense. Uh, and then you know, while sitting there eating and moons over my hammy, uh, dude in a gorilla costume from. Uh, SUNY Albany did the worm down the aisle, much to the chagrin and irritation of the night staff. And it was just an interesting night all around. It really bonded us as a friend group, but that RPG, that, like that actual game was like, doomed. sometimes
1: that happens. Like we just, you can't fix a thing that's already broken.
2: Yeah. Like, like there, there are some things that can't be like, they can't be fixed by consent. And I think it has a lot to do with like, like clashes of expectation refusals to change, or refusals to, like, like self-examine, you know? Like, th- there's there's things that, like, this book can't fix, and I guess using this as a framework will help you identify uh, people or elements within your game that, you know, maybe shouldn't be there to begin with you want to make it last long-term. Yeah. Like, if we had gone through this as, like, my college group, uh, i I guarantee you at least three people we were trying to play with would not have stayed. And that would have been, um, I think more productive for everybody.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And part of my evolution as a person who plays games like this and like tries to invite people into my life is that I've gotten much more cavalier about deciding, yep, nope, we're done. I used to put a lot more work into trying to mend things and sometimes things don't need to be mended. They just need to be cut off.
0: Yeah, it's like knowing when a relationship broke. Yeah. And moving on.
2: Or knowing when like you might be like fine with them in other contexts, but in a game they don't have like the wherewithal or the sensitivity or what have you to navigate that space without being an offensive yeah. jerk. You know? Like I have had really good friends who I would never game with because uh they they just don't have the right sensibility.
1: Oh, is this why we don't game any more events?
2: No. Uh it's, it's <laughs> why I don't talk to uh it's why I haven't spoken to like um like Jesse or Tony from college anymore. Not that you two know those two people. I don't think they're listening. Right. But yeah, like they were like great like weirdos to hang out with and like real fun people, but in the context of a game and the context of like their idea of what appropriate behavior was in character, mm-hmm. it's just not it's not
0: good. Yeah. So I, I would like to add this in about the checklist. And it, there's also a section. This is the last thing in the book, by the way, folks at home. But uh, I, I really enjoy the fact that not only did it tell you how to use it and not, but just everything is kind of rated on a three-point scale of green, yellow, and red. Green being the go-ahead, bring it on, and yellow being the caution, and red being uh, nope, not going to do it. And... Uh, There's some blank space for additional topics and stuff like that, but you know, as you're going through it, stuff like that. I mean, there's the obvious, like you know, harm to animals, green, yellow, red, kind of thing like that, which would you know be handy to know. But there's also, you know, outside of things like that, they also just go into your particular comfort levels in general, like relationships, like romance. Do you want it depicted explicit? Being characters between NPCs, fade to black. Same thing goes for like, you know. You know, sexual issues inside of a game, so forth and so on. You, like, you can kind of get a decent read of your tables. Uh, on the lesser spoken aspect, I know here at RPX, we pretty much say, amongst each other, I don't think we've ever had a relationship between player characters at a table. Ever, Chris? Uh, I can't think of anything like that. Um, I don't think we have. Not that I can remember. I think we the closest we did was, like, our backstories for some of the mass stuff that we, we need to get back to. Yeah. But And then, you know, they also addressed, outside of horror and all that, mental health and physical health, which is really nice. Uh, you know, talking about diseases and so forth and so on, and sexual assault, and just, like, a ton of d- different things that allow for— The one thing I know,
2: will say about this list is mm-hmm. that the alphabetical order leads to some very interesting juxtapositions.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? Please, regress, <laughs> pregnancy, self harm, severe <laughs> <I> weather. <know.
2: laughs> when reading it, I was like, is this organized by severity? It was like cancer, classif- claustrophobia, freezing to death, gaslighting, genocide, heat stroke. I was like, hold on, wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of these is not like the others. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the top of the list would be thirst. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, well, I like... don't know about y'all, but I thirst every day.
2: Listen, you have to add a different version of Thurston, I think. Like, thirst, parenthesis, sexual. in are <laughs> going to cover all of the issues.
0: Vince, I'm not even going to be able to use his document now as I'm looking at it like <laughs> <laughs> claustrophobic <laughs> freezing to death, gaslighting.
2: Sorry, I I didn't mean to make – but, like, this is also just how my mind works.
0: No, you're a a wonderful, beautiful person. And I totally skipped over the social and culture issues it also mentions here. I didn't scroll down far enough. I got in trouble my first years teaching, Vince, by not scrolling down far enough. I I was checking attendance. And and the old, like, command line interface kind of program, I think it's called SCI, Uh that we used, like, they added a girl whose last name was, like, with a W, like, Willoughby or Wilson or something like that. And it appeared at the bottom of my list. I never had to scroll down. So I never noticed that she was skipping because I never moved the mouse down one click. And then a month later, it's like I barely scroll the mouse wheel. Like, oh, shit. I've been (laughs) fucking up. Good
2: job. That's beautiful.
0: And they wrote me up. Woo.
2: (laughs) So uh, I've been forgetting to take attendance for everyone past
0: (laughs) Q. Just, yeah, like, everyone else matters to me, except you. And I ask her, I go, where have you been hiding? She goes, in the girl's bathroom. I go, for a month? Jesus <laughs> Christ, Myrtle. Why? Apparently, I suck. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you kind of do. It's true. Anyway, sorry, p- folks at home, for me taking a random aside. I just did not want to say social and cultural issues are not... Worthy of addressing here. I just want to say that I'm a dumb fuck and don't know how to use a mouse wheel.
2: I mean, we have had several asides. I don't think it's.
0: I do see a lot of kids that are interested in role playing games. And in fact, I've had some come up to me this week going, Hey, would you sponsor that club? I'm like, ah, No. But I'll tell you who can. And then I wrote on just because I'm busy. Like, I was speaking with a couple of students earlier this week and I mentioned that. Uh, you know, name dropped this book in particular. It's like, you know, they were talking about starting up a group and stuff like that. I was like, well, you don't necessarily, I don't know if you really want to pass this check sheet around in this book, but it's like, if you're playing with these people, it's probably a good, this may be a good way for you to get a read of who you're playing with and know what is, uh, what is what and so forth and so on. So I, I, I'm glad that uh, Monty Cook Games gave me something that I could recommend to hopefully some future gamers in a hobby. So. Give me your overall impression. Would it be safe for us to say that this is worth a glance of any season season player, just as a refresher course and a uh, possible tool to turn to if you're starting out a group?
1: I'd go so far as to say, the longer you've been gming, the more likely you need to read this. Because uh, at the older you get, like the more likely you are you are to get bad habits about this sort of thing. Like I, I, yeah. I know I kind of have a problem with it. Like people know Chris. Chris is the horror GM and his stuff tends to be pretty brutal and that doesn't change the fact that I shouldn't think about this sort of thing and like I don't want to traumatize a player in one of my games. So like yeah like everyone should look at it no matter how far into a game like how far you've been, how long you've been gaming.
0: Yeah.
2: It's It's a useful place to start. It's a useful framework and it's important that like people look at this and sort of adapt it to their situation with an understanding that like these aren't hard rules these are ways to navigate a social situation and that like you you can't you can't use this as like a legal document you know what i mean like you have to yeah. use this as like a tool to negotiate like the optimal social space for your games right like yeah you know it yeah think it through yeah it, it's not Like, not everything in this is going to apply to everybody, but that's also fine. That's how people are. So use it, adapt it, apply it where necessary. Yeah.
0: I think it will make all of us a better human being. So, gentlemen, I would really like to thank you all for stopping by with me to discuss this uh, interesting book and topic. Glad to see that we all see eye to eye on this issue.
2: I don't think we would play together if we didn't agree.
1: I could be a jokey person, but I I do think consent and some consent is important.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it would be super weird if one of us was like a hardcore like Oh,
1: you triggered Vince.
2: Yeah. You triggered that?
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd also like to thank you all for tuning in with us on this very special episode as Chris has uh, tagged it here. All
1: right. Well, first of all, we all have to understand that Slater does have a pill addiction. And we have to be very understanding to help them get out of it. But to do that, you can always look us up on social media and just give your best wishes to Slater. Yeah. You can find us on uh, RP Exchange on Twitter, the role play, the Roleplaying Exchange at uh, Facebook, and uh, RoleplayingExchange.com if you want to do a comment. Because uh, we, we don't get comments. We, we need them, y'all. Yeah. We need them. Every single day, I just stare at the comment section on our website, and I'm just like,
0: I'm dying inside comment please but when they happen and you get the what the actual fuck it makes it all worthwhile really man i mean it's just like it's <laughs> vindicating but yeah and you could also uh, support us by checking out our patreon which is patreon.com slash the exchange i think i'm double checking because i don't really back me i just like yeah patreon.com slash roleplane exchange and uh yeah anything uh would definitely be appreciated so i guess without much further ado thank you all again and everybody have a good night chris say the line we <laughs> i mean I'd, I'd like to say we did think this one through but as the conversation went on it it made it even clearer that we did not no no we had a loose idea and then we rode with it but you know thank you Monty Cook. check out the links
2: <laughs> bye